Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. We got Coach Ray sitting in with us today. How are you guys doing today? Everybody good, feeling good? Pretty good. Not yeah. bad, not bad. Nice, nice. Yeah. I know we did the single arm wall ball crawls yesterday. That was hella exhausting. It was fun. It was fun, but that was hard. So for people that don't know what we're talking about, we take a ball, a weighted ball, and you got to take it from the floor to an overhead position, but you got to pin it against the wall and it can't leave the wall. So as you're moving this ball up the wall, if it moves off the wall, it automatically disqualifies it and you got to start again from the bottom. So what we did is we normally use two, two hands, right? You can use both your appendages, but usually the stipulation is only your hands can touch the ball. Yeah. But yesterday we did one where it says we made like Luke Skywalker <laughs> after his dad chopped his arm off <laughs> and you can only use one arm, but you could use the rest of your body to pin the ball to the wall. It was exhausting as shit. It it's basically like wrestling somebody against the wall and trying to pin them there. That's effectively what it's like. It's that same level of exhaustion and it doesn't sound that hard until you do it. Until you do it. Well, right? Even 40 pounds was hella challenging. What was, was the best strategy that you guys came up with? Because I think everyone probably landed on the same thing. Well, it was kind of like when you watch MMA yeah. and you see an opponent t- leaning in against the cage to pin their opponent against the cage. That's pretty much what you are doing. Yeah. That's and, the only commonality, actually, because yeah. we all had different approaches of like working it up to that point. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like your strength, you were able to just boom, boom, boom with the arm. Yeah. So, like Mike and I, we had to like pin it, get it up, and then wedge a leg underneath. Yeah. And use that as a platform, a shelf, to then kind of move the ball up the wall. Yeah. But yeah. then you know you're able to use so on your chopped off arm, you can still use the upper arm. So you can use the shoulder and the humerus, the upper arm, to pin the ball. Mm-hmm. You just can't let your forearm or your hand touch anything. Okay. Can't touch the wall. Can't touch the ball. Mm-hmm. But and it's not, and it doesn't seem like it'd be that much of a restriction until you try. Until you try it, right? Because you're gonna you'll unknowingly touch the wall or start trying to put yeah, your hand Yeah, yeah. Because there was a point where I did that where I had my hand on the wall. Like, get your hand off the wall. I was like, yeah. oh, sh- okay. Let me because you're using it to brace, right? Yeah, Great yeah. stability. Mm-hmm. Your body's like, oh, if I put this here, I'm more stable, right? So it's yeah. it's doing that. And the 40-pound ball was a son of a bitch. Like, it was, it was, it was but you tough. topped out at 80, dude. That, but I was wrestling with it for like two and a half minutes. <laughs> it was that two and a half. It took <laughs> almost three <laughs> minutes, dude. Man. 80 pounds. Dude, that was so. That's like a full round. Yeah. Right. Think about just trying to lean into it. I'm like, shit, man. I can. Did you turn around and use your back? No. No, that's the one we didn't do. That's why I didn't do that. Nobody did that. Which is interesting because this morning, one of my clients, he they did that and they actually used their back. Yeah. So it's funny you said that because they actually pinned it with their back, Mm -hmm. and the three of us didn't do that. We Mm -hmm. pinned it with our shoulder Shoulder, and the side torso. Mm You know, the, the hips, but we didn't pin it with our back. Mm-mm. It was an interesting take. Yeah. But I'll tell you, talk about fatiguing and exhausting. Oh, yeah. Even doing that for 30 seconds, man. Like, that was a, that was enough time. Yeah. That was enough time. So even if you want to get somebody conditioned, have them do that. Be like, hey, why don't you just work yourself <laughs> down the wall a few times? Let's see what happens. And they will gas. So think about, like, would you have an elite level athlete do that task? Why not? Because it's, no, it's nothing that's necessarily taxing to the joints it's just a problem solving kind of thing yeah and they're going to find ways to make it work 
And that gives them that creativity to go, okay, this is not super linear. You got to figure out a way to make this work. So that kind of gives them that psychological or mental stimulation as well as physical. So why not? Plus that gets that person into, especially somebody that's dealing with contact sports, right? Like we were talking about it yesterday, like this we think would be great for a contact sport athlete. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially somebody uh, like rugby, yeah, like where you're in a scrum, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're in the middle of a scrum. That's what you're doing. You're trying to find the best point of leverage and how to push into somebody yeah, and drive them away. So because it was interesting because I saw there's an app that I introduced you guys to, Any Question, that John Sinclair mm-hmm. from IOM introduced me to. And it's a cool app because people who get in on the app can ask questions from experts in the field, doctors, trainers, physical therapists, mental health specialists. There's all different fields of expertise. One of the questions I saw on there yesterday was, how much time do you think elite level athletes spend practicing actual biomechanics and form in their movements? I'd imagine... Honestly, at that level, I'd imagine they probably spend a pretty decent amount of time. I would make a guess 60% of the time. Hmm. Depends on the sport a lot. If you're a golfer, that's all you do. Mm -hmm. Right? You're constantly working on forms, right? Great call on that, right? Because it's so specific. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've got to know where you are, what your joints are doing. Baseball. Baseball. Mm -hmm. But those are track. You're constantly just grooming your your technique, your form. But if you have someone like Usain Bolt, where you got people that are saying, okay, well, that's not but he's working clean his form, form, right? He's working his, his, own, his form, own, right? right? But it's pretty it's abstract still, compared to, because yeah. we look at all these different sprinters over the years, yeah. and we do see significant differences in their running, in their running form. Yeah. Would you, you would almost say that that form, if they're practicing it, that that form is specific to that person. Yeah, yeah. so they're, they're working their own biomechanics essentially is right i think what we're saying more Uh, than working like the textbook biomechanics mm -hmm. right yeah is that a problem where we're when we say textbook biomechanical form because how many times does a textbook biomechanical form really apply to you know 100 people well that would assume that everybody has the exact same build the exact same femur length, the exact same torso length, the exact same right. arm length that applies to a very small subset of people. Whereas someone like, like your torso is longer than your femur. Oh, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. So your running technique is going to look a lot different than Neil's running technique. Yeah. Because yeah. his Slow proportions are vastly different. Yeah. Muscle twitch fibers are different. Yeah. The amount you have. So, on a, so there's, a, there's too much differentiation and variability to go... This is the only one that fits. Yeah. I think there's going to be a similarity in certain areas as far as like leg position, like striking the ground. Absolutely. Right. But everything else that happens up top, and you know, that's going to be frame dependent, mm-hmm. you know, mobility dependent. But, you know, you're working against the same forces. Yeah. Gravity and then whatever surface you're on. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think basically the only thing we're really, I think, universally trying to teach is more of the foot strike, right? Mm-hmm. On a sprinter versus okay, let once once we get the foot strike optimal or what we believe is optimal because even then that's a debate, right? Mm-hmm. People are like no, I should be heel first. And other people are like no, I should be midfoot. You know, so even if you get past all that, then once you agree, quote unquote, on the foot strike, then I guess we just wait and see what that person, how that person organizes everything from the ground up. Then yeah, because you got to let the athlete fill it out. 
for whatever feels best for them at some point. Because even as kids, think about when we were running around with our friends, you saw different running forms at the age of seven, eight years of age, Mm -hmm. right? And nobody corrected us. Nobody corrects a seven-year-old on how to run. Like we just see them run. So that's their grooving. Yep. Like they're grooming that pattern, but that pattern is unique to that individual. Yes. So where do we have a responsibility or should we kind of quote unquote fix it? If Especially if it's not creating a problem. You just said the key thing right there. If it doesn't create any problems or issues with the athlete, I don't think there's anything to fix. At the point where it does create a problem, that's when you kind of start looking at what's going on and fixing those particular yeah. areas. I mean, our job there is to create, figure out where we can create more stiffness to make them faster. Mm-hmm. So what areas, you know, does that need to happen? And it's usually down on the lower leg. Mm-hmm. If if we see somebody that doesn't have, isn't experiencing a problem in the way they move through a task or, or an exercise or, or playing a sport, should we be trying to fix something that's not there? No. It's the whole saying, don't fix what ain't broken. Right. If there's nothing wrong, there's nothing to really change. The only thing is, it's kind of like you said, right? Mm-hmm. Like training certain aspects that can make them better, but not necessarily changing the way that their movement is. Because I think a lot of times people do that with the good intention of, oh, I can make it better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But is that something we should be doing if there's no problem to begin with? And I think that we got to ask ourselves that question. That's. That's reasonable. On my side, I'd say no. Yeah. If, if there's nothing wrong with the athlete, the athlete's performing just fine. They don't got any injuries. Nothing's wrong. I would leave them to their devices and then just work on the other peripheral stuff outside of that. Unless, of course, they're experiencing some type of issue. Then we go, we delve in and go, okay, mm-hmm. you have, you're feeling this twinge in the knee mm-hmm. or this twinge in the hip or something. Okay, now let's take a look at it Yeah. and see if there's something we need to kind of groove or improve on. Yeah, yeah. At that level, world class level, I think before you even look at their technique, you go look at their their training load mm-hmm. first. Okay, are you recovering enough? If they're not recovering enough, then let's change change the way you structure your training before we change your biomechanics. Yeah, I think that kind of leads into another question of if you're working with somebody with a type A personality, how do you try to kind of rein that person back in? Because we do see those people that they're constantly <laughs> working at something. Yeah. Like if you only see somebody three hours a week, you only, you know, directly affect that person for that three hours. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, then I think the problem is, is how much are they doing outside of when they don't see you, right? And mm-hmm. Is that maybe contributing to some issues or some chronic issues that they may be experiencing? Yeah, I think it's hard to, to to talk to somebody that does have a type A personality, mainly because you have to fight against their belief system, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's whatever their beliefs are. Mm-hmm. So when someone's, if a, if a client comes in, they're like, oh, I like to do these things. And it's like, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But mm-hmm. like, if you're not able to recover, you should probably just kind of manipulate some things. And they're like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to change anything. It's like, well, you're having issues with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You need, like, I can't force you to see it from your side, mm-hmm. but instead I can probably try to illuminate some of the issues that are going on based on the parameters that you gave. And then we can try to find a, re- like a solution to what sort of issues that you have going on. Yeah. I think with someone with a type A, you need to, you need to make them feel like they're in control the whole time, right? Yeah. So you need to give them yeah. the power. Yeah. yeah so yeah, the best call. thing to do, well, this is from experience, is mm-hmm. here are a few options. 
that I think would be best for you. But they're still within that. Maybe they want to do some intense work. Hey, these are the best uh, high intensity activities I think you should do. Pick from one of these three, do them wherever you do them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, make sure they're appropriate to to what they need and it's not um, exacerbating whatever issue they have. But they still get that feeling of working their ass off because that's what they want. Yeah. They want to go. So it's like, okay, here's option A, B, and C. You can pick either one. Just rotate them. Yeah, because they have an engine that kind of revs at a higher mm -hmm. mode. And then we have people that whose engines run really <laughs> low. So, yeah, that type A personality, you kind of want to let them stay in that yeah. wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, great point what you said. Still give them that feeling that they're controlling the situation. Yeah. That's, good, that's a good point. That's a great point because that's really at the heart of it yeah. is I think there's that defiance, right? Yeah. I think the type A personality is like, no, no, I got it. And then you telling them to maybe pull back a little bit is really exacerbating the situation even more maybe mm -hmm. instead of saying, okay, great point. You know, give them some options. Then they get to choose and they get to decide yeah. how to implement that. And then if they feel better from that, then it's typically like, all right, what do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you want me to do. Yeah. From that point on. But early on, you have to, there has to be this. They need to feel success for them to build that trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then they, then they build then, a trust. And then they build a trust, and then it's like, okay, what do you, what do you need me to do? I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just bunny heads all the time. You're not going to get any. In that case, it's almost a situation of you got to kind of let them go as a client then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at that point, right? Yeah. Maybe like, look, this is just not going to work. Mm -hmm. You know, here, here's some other coaches that I think would, you would work better with. Mm -hmm. So, and that takes a lot on the coaches and to be able to see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The coach either changes mm -hmm. to the situation or the coach is willing to admit, hey, you know what? There may be somebody else that you are going to work a little bit better, a lot better with than myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. In that case. I think one of the other questions I saw on there on the app that I really liked was, what are some misconceptions that people think about what you do for a living, about what we do for a living? <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a good question. That's what are some misconceptions? Question. I think one misconception is that people think it's like a super glorious kind of feel to be in, in a sense that we're always like, like we're always being thanked. Like people, I think people have this perception like, oh, you're a trainer. That's that means you must love working out. You work with super great clients. You work with athletes. You're always working with like professional, like, and it's like, that's not at all what it is. <laughs> like, we're at like, cause I think people see trainers has like this, it's, it's a weird kind of hierarchy. I feel like they see coaches as like a, like kind of like the top of the chain, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, no, it's, it's, it's a semi thankless field to a degree because at least in my experience, mm -hmm. I don't take responsibility for people's success, but I will take responsibility for people's failures. Mm, and mm. so when people are doing really good, especially if they're feeling good, yeah, you'll, you'll probably get a thanks at some point, but don't expect the kind of thing. But it's, it's tough. It's tough because we work with so many different personalities mm -hmm. and we have to have on so many different hats. There's yeah. so many different clients mm -hmm. to where it's just like, it's not as simple as come in, work out and you leave. It's almost therapeutic to our client because we're in a, in a way we're kind of a friend. Mm -hmm. We're like somebody that they can like actually like unleash on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are the I'm trying to think? What are the some misconceptions? Yeah, like that we just work out all the time. Yeah, I think that's a huge one. Or like that's what we live. We you know we have Tupperware everywhere, <laughs> perfect all the time. <laughs> 
Oh, that's a huge misconception. Oh, yeah. That's a huge oh, misconception. Yeah. How we eat versus what the general population perceives how we eat are, mm-hmm. are usually two vastly different things. Oh, yeah. Now, trainers who are bodybuilders, that's, that's probably the thing. only yeah. trainer mm-hmm. you're going to find who eats the way the general mm-hmm. population would expect them to eat. Mm-hmm. But, folks, the rest of us, it ain't happening that way. Nah. No. I had, I had two pancakes yesterday. Right? Two pancakes. Yeah, yeah. When people, when people, I tell people, they're like, oh, my God, you ate, a, you ate pancakes? <laughs> right? Hell, yeah, I love pancakes. Yeah, so, yeah. like, I'm going to go get them on the weekend. Right? It's not an all-the-time thing, yeah. but, like, I think that's another misconception, too, is that they think we're 100% all the time. Yeah. No. And we're can't be. not. It's it's not even close. You've got to turn it off. Yeah. You do. You have to turn it off. And you're right. I think people think we live this 24-7. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the case. Like, we have a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Probably healthier than the the average person. Right, right. We work out more than the average person. But well, because we actually see trainers who actually get repetitive injuries. Like a lot of coaches, we some trainers we see, they're always demonstrating, right? Mm-hmm. Physically demonstrating, but they forget that as you're physically demonstrating, doing those repetitions, those are still repetitions. Yes, those are still loaded movements. Mm-hmm. And if a trainer sees seven eight clients a day. You know, or especially group trainers, you know, those are, those are another group that you, we see a lot of shit build up mm-hmm. over a period of time because they're, they're teaching three or four classes a day yeah, and they're right in the thick of things is they're doing the same exact shit that the rest of the class is doing mm-hmm. because they're, they're up front, they're demoing it. So yeah. the conception that we do this all the time, it's eight hours a day. No, that's no, that's a lot. You know, I also think some of these injuries come from trainers create workouts to post on social media as opposed to videotaping what they do to work out. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's like, yeah. here, I'm going to create this workout for Instagram because it'll get more views, more, more likes. Mm-hmm. So it's not even what they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Very true, very true. I think people think that maybe our job is easy. <laughs> have you, I mean, have you ever heard? Like, okay, yeah. like, it's a it's a very subtle word, mm-hmm. but the word just oftentimes comes in front of trainer. Yeah. Oh, you're, oh, you're just, just a trainer, trainer. right? <laughs> or you're just a coach. Yeah. Like, that word just gets put in there a lot when you tell people what you do. Yes. You're like, oh, I'm a coach. Oh, you're just a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't go to the University of Alabama and tell Coach Saban, oh, you're just Coach Saban. I'd be like, no, you're Coach Saban, right? Yeah. So there's a, that word just in front of it. When people say that, I'm like, you kind of, that to me tells me that what you think I do is really easy. Yeah. But that's because they don't know the reading, the research, the educational aspects, all the stuff that we do when we're not with clients. There's, or creating programs. People don't know that. I think if people knew how much outside stuff goes into it that we technically don't get paid for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They have a much yeah. different perspective of going, oh, instead of you're just a trainer, like, oh, okay, you're a coach. Yeah. I think also we're not essential now. Well, we're we aren't essential. We're not. We're, not. we're thing, a luxury. Right? Yeah. We're a luxury. So there's only a certain set of population that can hire a trainer. Mm-hmm. So most people don't know what we do because they can't afford it. Yeah. So they have no concept of what, except for what they see in magazines or mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Do you think we have somewhat of an obligation then or to, to put content out there that's available for 
the general population? I feel like obligation might be a little bit to a certain degree. I would I would use a different word, but I think that we do have the ability and a knowledge base to to put information out there Mm -hmm. for the average person to consume without also feeling like they're being sold on something. Because I think that is probably one of the biggest things that maybe annoys, I don't know, it annoys the shit out of me. Mm. But if I see something and somebody's immediately trying to sell me on it, like, I'm, like put I put that I, wall up right I, away. I, like, I, I lost right away. immediately. Yeah. Instead of going, hey, here's this free information. Yeah. You come to whatever road you take based on your own merits. Mm. So I think there's that issue of like, as trainers, we're always trying to sell something too, but we're, and yeah, there's some that do, but there's people who don't. There's coaches who don't want to sell you something. They're just giving you information. And then whatever you want to do after that, mm-hmm. that'll be your time to go and kind of capitalize. Because that's for me personally, I think there's always been the battle of, okay, you know, you're trying to have a career, pay the bills, keep the lights on, so to speak. But then at the same time, it's like, yeah, we are non-essential. We're non-essential, but we are essential, mm-hmm. right? But we're we're a luxury item. Yes. But then, okay, so thinking, okay, only a small amount of people can afford what we do, right, to pay us. But then we also have all this information that we have that we know the general, like everybody needs. Mm -hmm. So there's that fine line of saying, okay, what do do I give out there? What do I put out there, Mm -hmm. right? What do I make available versus what can I be getting paid for? Yeah. I think it's a hard, hard place for any kind of coach to be because it's... I get the aspect of you don't want to put too much out there, but there should be some form of transparency with what whoever your base is. Mm. Then that could come in the form of, you know, what you do with your personal workouts or, you know, mm. kind of some of the things you talk about with clients or whatever the case may be. But there should be some bit of transparency because I think people appreciate transparency more than anything else. Yeah. Well, I think we look at the way CrossFit was built, right? And that's what Greg did is he just put shit out there. He just put content out there. Mm-hmm. He didn't charge for it, and then look what it turned out to be. So you know, I think with the advent of social media that you can put free information out there mm-hmm. and still build a brand, still build a business just giving free content out. Yeah. Because you're always going to have that percentage of people that, that understand the value of what you're putting out there. And even though you're giving it for free, they're like, no, if you if you charge me, I'd, I'd pay you for this. Yeah. Like Kelly yeah. Starrett. Right? Kelly Starrett did that too, right? You know, so he went to private membership after his free stuff got shut down. But then he still kept a good chunk of the people because those people really saw the value in what Kelly was putting out there, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, you're going to charge me? I still have no problem with that. Yeah. And so for the information that he was putting out there, the value, the bang for the buck was there. So they went ahead and did that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the... You know, a good majority fell off because they were there for the free content, but they still were affected by him directly, mm-hmm. yeah. right? In a really positive way yeah. because he gave them some really great content. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are putting out good stuff because, if, I mean, think about all the podcasts. Yeah. Oh, there's so yeah, many. There's so what are we doing? There's so many. <laughs> there's so many. And then it's kind of figuring out, okay, which ones do I want to listen to? We, yeah. It's giving people a lot of choices. Yeah. You know, which can be a whole other problem all into itself, right? Yeah. Like there's so many items on the menu. It's mm-hmm. like when you go into a restaurant and the menu's like six pages long, you're like, there's too much shit on here. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. You're like, okay, this is way too big Just of a menu. Just give me a number one, two, or three. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? You know, like it's like 
In and out burger. Well, In and out burger only does one thing, right? Mm-hmm. This is it. Like, this is all we do. Yeah. But look at how successful they are yeah. doing just that one thing really well. Yeah. Yes. And I, th- I think if you're trying to reach that general population that may not have this huge interest in fitness, that's the way you have to reach them. Mm-hmm. It has to be really di- digestible information. That's here's one, two, or three. You start here. Mm. Start with this. And then, and then you can dive deeper if you want. But you need to give them something really accessible, mm-hmm. like right away. Because the one thing that they may not gravitate to right now, they may all of a sudden, six months, a year down the road, yeah. latch onto it because it then all of a sudden pertains to them, mm-hmm. right? So you gave it to them. They didn't take it right away. Yeah. But all of a sudden, a year later, they're like, oh, my back's – I have a back injury. Well, wait a second. I, f- I heard this information last year on this. I have the same issue. Let's see what Neil said about this back yeah. injury. Mm-hmm. And holy shit, help me. Okay. So there's your buy-in, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was down the road. You gave him the free content, but the buy-in came, still came in. It just came in later. Yeah. Well, so yesterday I went to uh, Laylee's brother's house and mm-hmm. he had some friends over and I was talking to someone just about training. Mm-hmm. He was asking me some questions. Yeah. You know, I ran for the month of August. I signed up for this challenge and I, I ran... 18 and a half miles. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Wow. Prior to that, he hadn't done anything. He's like, yeah, but I want to do more. I'm like, dude, just be consistent. Just start there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you do that every month, that's more miles than I ever run a month. <laughs> so that's fine. Like, yeah. that's, don't be ashamed of not running more than that. Like, that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Just be consistent oh, yeah. with it. Make it a habit. Mm-hmm. And then I asked, are you doing any strength training? He's like, no, you know, I'm just not, I don't, I'm not coordinated. I don't feel this and this. I'm like, you have access to machines. It's like, oh, yeah, at, at the office. I'm like, go do the leg press. Do like two sets of 20. Go find a, some kind of rowing machine. Pull, you know, do two sets of 20. Leave. That's all you can do. And then go play games for coordination. Yeah. 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 Like start with that. Like you're going to get enough pump or you're going to challenge your muscles. Mm-hmm. You don't need any coordination. Get the setup. You're not going to get injured with that type of weight. Start there. It'll take you 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. So, all right. That's, I mean, you got to give them a, a really easy entry point. Yeah. And I know, like, early on in training, I was like, oh, man, machines are bullshit, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, But yeah. now I'm like, okay, well, if for someone like that, I don't, I'm not going to get him under a bar. No. He doesn't care. There's going to be a lot more prep to just, to be able to squat. Yeah. So, why don't just throw him on a leg press machine mm-hmm. just to get started and just to get their legs stronger. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point because the setup with barbells, people are like, wait, I got to carry the plates over, pick, and they're not used to the loading and unloading, which in and of itself is still loaded movement, yeah. right? Yeah. And we, we know you, you put four or five plates on each end of a barbell on a deadlift, and it's worth taking it on and off, yeah. right? That's no joke, mm-hmm. right? So it's still really in essence it's it's still training yeah absolutely it's a it's a sub-maximal form Mm -hmm. but yeah you're still training yeah like sometimes what i do at least with um people that aren't who aren't super into working out on Mm -hmm. their own i'll give them a 10 minute routine or 15 minute routine they can do at home Mm -hmm. and it's just do some push-ups you know some lunges and some squats or do a plank i don't doesn't matter what you do but do something for 10 minutes and people are far more receptive to that than go go to the gym Go work out for mm-hmm. you know forty five minutes. Oh yeah. Even if in forty five minutes is is a moderately short amount of time to be in the gym. If you walk in and walk out and you're done in forty five minutes, but people they're just much more 
accepting to like a shorter duration of working out and something that they don't need a lot of prep work in. Yeah. Because if you're like, all right, you got bands at home, cool. Use some bands. Or yeah. you can do body weight. doesn't matter. All right. Let me ask you guys a different question. Have you ever been at a, at a party or something and told people that something completely different that you don't do just because you don't want to answer those? You know those questions are becoming. Like when you tell somebody what you do for a living, we know if you're at a party, mm. you're going to get those questions asked. Oh, what do I do for this? What do I do for this? Well, what, what, right? Oh, man. Like, have you ever purposely <laughs> said your occupation was something completely different or just avoided the question altogether? I've dismissed the question. Oh, I have you? agree. Oh, okay. so like, right. someone's, okay. someone's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm a coach, but you know, it's, you know, it's neither here nor there. And that's it. Oh, you kind of, and, blow, and, okay. and that is, com- that is basically, I answered the question, but I blew it off. So it's like they're, <laughs> so they're not, so they're not asking. They're not like, oh man, well, what about yeah, this? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, you know, I'm not not really the person to talk to you yeah. about that. Like, you need to go see somebody <laughs> yeah. who can really assess you and so on and so forth. And that's it. And that's it. I found that that's the best way to get out of conversation because otherwise you're like, oh man, like you know, my left pe- my my pinky toe is hurting. Like, what can I do about it? But like, hey, I can't do. I'm sorry, I can't answer that yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to go to somebody else about. Yeah, it's funny. Have you ever? Well, no, I don't think so. Because usually, if someone, if I tell them I'm a trainer, they don't really ask about how to get out of pain because they don't, they don't correlate. But they're still asking you quite, like as soon as you yeah, tell them you're a trainer, also they're like, "Oh, what should I do if I do that?" Oh, like that. Uh, pretty simple, though. do you? No, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's really basic, man. You just gotta do it all the time. Like, just <laughs> <laughs> you gotta show up every day and do this. You know, pretty pretty generic answers, but. Mm-hmm. But telling the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're like... Just suck it up, man. <laughs> you're like Papa Swole like, on Instagram where he says, just go to the gym. Yeah. He's, that's his yeah. daily motto, right? Yeah. Go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Whether it's... And I love when he says that because it's, it, it's not the gym specifically. It's wherever you train. Yeah. He just says, just go to the gym. Yeah. I don't give a shit if it's your garage, your living room, the actual gym, Doesn't the side of a hill. Mm-hmm. Just... Go there and do your shit, right? But it's consistency. Because realistically, like, you just want to give someone, what's the least complicated thing they can do to get started? Yes. Because I get those questions all the time. And like, and I'll give like, I'll be like, do you want the short answer or the long answer? That's one thing I'll do with people. I'm like, do you want the short or the long answer? Oh, Oh, okay. uh, Well, I'll take the short answer. Stop eating junk food. That's it. And we're like, oh, really? That's it? I'm like, yeah, that's it. Just simply that, or go on a walk. Yeah, yeah, walks, yeah. but something super, mm-hmm. super simple. Because rarely ever are people like, "Yeah, I want the long answer." Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear this. Yeah, let's be here for an hour. Let's talk. I got like another forty-five minutes. Dissertation. Yeah, let me hear your dissertation. Right. You know, people don't really do that. But like, when it's a short answer, I'm like super, like fifteen seconds. Here you go. But that that in and of itself, stop eating junk crap is so. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. It is. It is massive. Every huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's like shit. Like everything I eat is junk. Right. That simple, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. But it's like, here you go. That's it. Super simple. No science, no nothing to it. Just that. Oh, really? And it's not, and the thing, and the, and the messed up part about it is, it's not like they didn't know. It's yeah, not, not like they didn't, they didn't know. Yes, yes, yes. But it's different when it, like, when they ask and then they hear from somebody who's actually like a professional, then it's like, oh, Oh, shit. Well, it's, it's kind of because it's almost like we're punishing them. When you tell somebody to just eat real food, it's, mm-hmm. I think most people, that's like, 
It's way too hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's way too hard to just eat real food. You're like, how so? Yeah. Right? The, they, they, the barriers go up. Yeah. The fences go up. The firewalls. They're like, well, I got nine firewalls. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. I try to get through all nine, right? Yeah. And you're like, no, like, dude, those firewalls shouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. But they're there. Like, we eat pan- you ate pancakes because you like pancakes, right? Yeah. That's a firewall. Yeah. Why am I going to stop? I like pancakes. Like, I physically like, like, mm-hmm. what, what else is there to, to it, right? Right. But like I said, you, it's not all the time. Mm-mm. You're not eating pancakes every single morning when you get up. No. Right? But yeah, you take you, that one simple thing of just clean up your diet, mm-hmm. stop eating crap, goes a long way. Yeah. I, mean, I think, was, and you'd said a couple podcasts ago about most people are getting their calories or increased calories from sauces, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not only that, but it's drinks and sausage, right? Mm-hmm. Beverages and sauces. Mm-hmm. I think if we really look at it, that's where people are really getting just bombarded with the extra caloric intake. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And not only that, but with the drinks, you don't even know really what's going in the drinks. No. But there's such high levels of calories in a lot of these drinks. Well, think about that person that goes to Starbucks and they get a white mocha latte, whatever the hell people get nowadays. It's like four or 500 calories. Yeah. It's like 80 grams of sugar. It's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have that every day, but- I don't want to necessarily be the one to tell you that. Yeah. But hey, like, you know, we should probably cut back on it. Yeah. Right. Well, it's interesting. I saw uh, Netflix has a series out, uh, History 101. And it was interesting. One of the episodes on there was about corn syrup mm-hmm. uh, from mm-hmm. their new season. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was interesting to see today, currently in 2020, 2021, the average American is consuming. 21 gallons a year of corn syrup, which is down considerably from its peak of 37 gallons a year of corn syrup. That's a lot, man. I was like, excuse me? Yeah. I was like, whoa. You know, and now, of course, you know, people found said, okay, you know, nutritionists come out and said, okay, corn syrup has the same effectiveness as cane sugar. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not... You know, the, a lot of the negative negativity about corn syrup is 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 false. This and that. Mm-hmm. So whatever you buy into, it is what it is. Yeah. But I was really surprised to see how much it's actually dropped. Yeah. When I think our perception is that it's increasing. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I thought I was really shocked at that. Um, and they said that fifty fifty three percent of the people that they they asked make a conscientious effort. To not buy products that have corn syrup in it. It's mm. a lot yeah. of people. It's a lot. Fifty-three percent. Yeah. yeah, I think I thought those companies that that have corn syrup probably saw that in their bottom line. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. You see, well to go from thirty-seven gallons yeah. a year down to twenty-one—that's a considerable that's, decrease. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I got to figure a lot of that was coming from beverages more than anything. Although you, it is kind of surprising how much food has corn syrup in it. Like it was like really, you know, when you really break it down, there's a lot of foods out there, Uh, deli meats with corn syrup in it. Mm -hmm. Like you, like you wouldn't think, you wouldn't think, think. right? Mm -hmm. But it helps preserve. Yes, right. Helps keep color consistency. Helps preserve. Right. So that's the reason why they're putting that in there. But yeah, it's just stunning little information that on that little half hour uh, history of corn syrup. Yeah. But yeah, I was really surprised at how down it's been since its peak in the, uh, I think it was the early 90s or late 90s. 
Damn. Yeah. Really surprising. Would never have guessed that. I don't know. I wouldn't would never have guessed that. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Well, in fact, they throw that out there at the beginning. So it makes you go, damn. I was like, oh, shit, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the episode is where they show you the correlation between the two time frames. And I was like, oh, shit. Wow. We were almost double, double that. Yeah. Almost double. And we've decreased it that much. Yeah. Wow. That's I mean, just a gallon. Like thinking about a that gallon. Sounds disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm thinking about like that basically actually 37 gallons would probably be about as big as this box. More, right? Yeah, I think it'd be more. Like, more than I, I, I actually, I don't know. I don't, man. I'll tell you, if you if you put twenty one gallons of high fructose corn syrup in front of us right now, a uh, gag factor would kick mm-hmm. in. <laughs> like, I gag. I like, I literally be because I sometimes like, it, like you, know, you put your finger in it, and, like, take <laughs> what? I, I, oh yeah. What's kind of funny is like I. When you see like photos of the warehouse yeah. and like Pepsi or Coke, and you just see the rows and stacks and stacks of all the soda in yeah. the warehouses that you're transporting out, when as an 18 year older, I wouldn't have given a shit. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, whatever, cool, I love because I love Pepsi as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But now as a 50 year old, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, like, I see that same photo, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, oh, like, that's I'm a like, lot. It's a shitload. It's a shitload. Well, people are addicted. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they're addicted to sugar sugar. more than Mm. anything. Mm -hmm. Sugar. Yeah. You know, the book that I'm reading now talking talking about aging is, you know, the detriment of sugar in our diet Mm -hmm. and how much we're getting. Yeah. You know, we just, we we live in an age where we have easy access to it now. Mm -hmm. Yes. Not like it was back in the day. Mm -hmm. So now it's it's easily readable in, in all sorts of things. Uh, so yeah, it's not really helping us out as far as, uh, the more, and there's other parts of the world where it's just not readily available, Yeah. but for us, we have to battle with that. Mm-hmm. It just is what it is. One of those things. Yeah. I never realized how much, um, sugar or how much, uh, yeah, sugar was in ketchup until I looked at it one day. I'm like, damn. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. And as a kid, French fries and ketchup. Mm-hmm. You squeeze the shit out of that yeah. bottle, huh? Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see what uh, happens in the future. If, do you think it's going to go down more? I think that's hard to say. Because 20, 21 gallons of high fructose corn syrup per person is a lot. That is. We'll see. Like, if they do like another 20 year study. Like yeah. 20 year study yeah. and see if it's even it more at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. I think the only reason it would really go down is people is if people got more health conscious. Because I'd imagine there was a, probably a subset of people mm-hmm. who were got more health conscious from that period of the late 90s to now were like, ah, well, I'm going to cut back. On so, this. yeah, the public demand has to be there for yeah. companies to listen, yeah. right? Because companies are typically going to go the way of their consu- of the consumer because they're trying to cater to the consumer. Yes. So if, as long as the consumer keeps saying, look, enough with the high fructose corn syrup, enough with the, with all the added sugar to begin with, mm-hmm. let's cut that back. You know, and I think it's in our power as, as a society to be able to dictate what companies do, not vice versa. I think is, the, I think there's a mindset like we're submissive to companies and what their will is. Mm-hmm. When in reality, you know, it's the other way around. Yeah. We do have that power. We have the buying power. We have the purchasing power. 
we just got to realize that we have that and put it into into use. Yeah. If these companies are putting products out and you're not buying them, they're going to stop putting these products out. Yeah. Because they're not they're not in business to just create products that aren't selling. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So they're going to want to put products out there that are going to cater to their audience. You wonder though, what does you replace with? Because they'll they'll take it off the shelves. Mm-hmm. They'll, right. They'll they'll make something else to give it that same effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the artificial sweeteners or whatever. They'll yeah. probably go with that. You know, you're seeing more of that nowadays. But uh, no, I thought that was a pretty interesting episode with, with just that corn share. But it just blew me away when I heard that. I was like, when I saw that, I was like, that sounds holy that sounds like shit. Lot, it is. It's a shitload. Per person. You can, per person. You can take a damn bath in that, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you could. You could. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if it was paint, think about how much you could paint with 21 gallons of paint. Yeah, it's a lot of paint. It's a lot of paint. Yeah, it's a lot of paint if you transfer it over to that way. I mean, it's good that it's went down, but damn. Yeah, but damn. Yeah, still a lot. But uh, and like I said, I thought the interesting thing was the perspective on it going down versus what we've always thought of. It's still going up. Yeah, and it's actually doing the opposite. So that's great. People are getting the message, Mm -hmm. right? There's they're starting to be more. Consumers are are becoming more aware, more conscientious. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the reason why we're seeing more "quote unquote" organic stuff mm-hmm. available yeah. to the general population, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully, the price point starts to decrease because the demand increases, right? Yeah. And so, the more organic and natural "quote unquote" foods we get, hopefully, you know, that mar- that margin starts to come down for us. Yeah. So we'll see. But, well, thanks for joining us this episode. And uh, until the next episode, be good to each other. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. And whatever platform you're on, either Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, please, if you could leave a review, we'd appreciate that. If you have any questions that we can answer for you, be sure to leave those in the comments also. If you're looking for more information on our education, our products, please go to www.stickmobility.com. And also hit that subscribe button to that YouTube channel. And don't forget our live Instagram classes three times a week. If you want to join in, grab your sticks and hit that 45-minute class.